Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi everyone, welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. Before us, you you heard Sally with her show Out of the Pen, covering all pansexual issues. And she ended with the song While My Guitar Gently Weeps by Jeff Healy. My name is Davita and I like to personally acknowledge that I am broadcasting from the unceded lands of the Kulin Nations. And my co-host today is Trev. Hey everyone. Uh, yeah, I'd also like to acknowledge that we're on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people and that uh, we should keep that in mind with all of our work and recreation and activism. Um, and on that, I guess a good page to follow is the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance War. And they recently um, recommended a whole bunch of different Facebook pages and groups for mm-hmm. people to follow if they want to keep more up to date with First Nations issues. So um, we're going to put a link to that in our show notes today. Um, but yeah, jump on the Facebook of War and see those pages that they recommended. Yeah, yeah, great to stay up to date. Um, uh, today uh, we'll be doing a new show, a Freedom of Species new show, because Melbourne's snap lockdown for the past two weeks has given you know, me and Trev, the great opportunity to just stay put, reflect, <laughs> see what has been happening for the past months in uh, in animal activism lands, both in Australia and also uh, across the world. So we'll be going through that with you today. And we have Nick with us as well, uh, running the panel. And um, he has also prepared the weather forecast for our uh, <laughs> new show. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you like to respond or contribute to anything um, we mentioned today, please jump on Twitter uh, using the hashtag, uh, hashtag FOS3CR. Yeah, and even if you're listening on the podcast later on, you can still catch up on any conversation that might have occurred there or can contribute using that hashtag. And as always, we'd love to hear from our listeners uh, to see how our show is, uh, yeah, how, how you like our show. Yeah, so I guess with um, with lockdown and with COVID dominating the news, it can be easy to miss a lot of stories and a lot of issues. So we're going to try and, I guess, recap a few things that you may have missed or just to discuss some things that you might have heard about yep. in some detail that hadn't been discussed. Yep. And um, saying that, the first one is... Yeah, some uh, some forest updates and environmental, environmental issues here in Australia. Um some of them are primarily targeted towards animals, but most of them affect animals in that wild animals in that their habitat is destroyed. So we'd love to take you through some of those updates uh, and issues on country. Uh, Japurang Heritage Protection Embassy has delayed the removal of sacred trees for a new part of the Western Highway. Um, in March, the group communicated that a new cultural heritage plan will be drafted for the duplication duplication of this Western Highway and that sacred trees are safe for now. Yeah, and which is great news. Yeah. They've been fighting that for a long time with yeah. the, the extended camp down there, um, trying to be in the way physically of any works that would be happening while at the same time contesting it in court. Yeah. And um, this is a great, great news yeah, to start with. Yeah, it's a temporarily relief of the, of the imminent uh, hazard. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, those, I don't know, maybe those cultural heritage plans will take quite a while to draft since they have to uh, yeah it doesn't yeah, mean it's a complete win um yeah. i think there's still going to be fighting happening in the future but yeah. um at the moment it just means that it's not emergency because it was emergency for quite a while like they thought that yeah. there, was, there was quite a few they did start destroying some trees actually yeah. um so that is all on halt for now yeah. for, for the for a good couple of months maybe even a year or so yeah exactly yeah and um 
Trees have also also been protected from logging operations in um, several several actions. One of them is uh, in Plateau Arenandra in Gippsland. Protesters have been successful in preventing logging machines uh, from destroying valuable and unburdened forests. That's awesome. Yeah. In May, the uh, group Environment East, East Gippsland has secured an injunction and logging machines have left the area. That's fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. And yeah. this has been going on for four months, their protests. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a great effort. Great it's really good to see yeah, direct action and activism yeah. making a difference yeah. and, and actually getting achieving the goals that they're looking for. This is really, really good news. And I think yeah. we all need those sort of good news stories once in a wins. while to know yeah. that it's all worth the effort. It's worth it, yeah. And um, related to that, Vic Forest has also received considerable pressure from um, the Friends of the Leadbeater Possum group, who uh, they've been involved in a court uh, case for over a few years. Um, they, the Friends of the Leadbeater Possum group accused the Vic Forest of illegal logging in critical habitat for the Greater Glider Possum and the Leadbeater Possum, who are vulnerable to extinction. One of them is even criti- critically endangered. Mm. Um, and I think the status of this court case is now is that it's going to the high court. But uh, recently, the Friends of the Leadbeater group have received the news that Vic Forest has to pay the costs of this court. Wow. Yeah. So more pressure on Vic Forest um, involved in um, lots of logging all over the all over the state. But that financial burden as well, that's yeah. a big incentive yeah. to hopefully make them take take serious consideration of protesters and if they're breaking yeah. laws or, or guidelines or whatever it is. So Yeah. Yeah, and what's really difficult in this case is that it's so intricate with different state laws fed and then federal laws that um, the group has really sort of dissected to um, get Vic Forest uh, in this court case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, great effort. And it's going to high court uh, probably now. And this is also important because there have been more reports on illegal logging by Vic Forest all over Gippsland. Um, and this is not just somewhat something that happens out there, but it's actually our water catchment areas mm. in Melbourne as well um, that are affected by logging. It's interesting that it sort of goes under the radar as well. Most people aren't aware that a lot of the logging that's happening by Vic Forest or by, you know, legitimate so-called sort of businesses or industry or government is illegal or they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And people just don't even think that that would be possible. Yeah, yeah. But we have to really be keeping vigilant about what's happening on our doorstep. Yeah, there's so much pressure on on these, you know, valuable unburned forests because there's also plant burns going on now in in the area. Yeah. And um, a good group to follow on that is the Friends of Bats and Habitat Gippsland, who post, yeah, they post a lot of, on Facebook, they post a lot of, um, yeah, reports on how these plant burns are going and they are a very vocal group as well. So definitely a good one to follow as well. Because now's prime time, burn off time in winter with the cooler months. So that's going to be happening a lot. I think it has been happening and it is continued to still happen over the next sort of month or two. Yeah. So if you want to have a view of how it, you know, get an idea of what plant burns look like, then um, they, they have some videos of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other news, the Vic Victorian Wildlife Act is up for review. Yeah, I read about this. Um, it was sparked by the the deaths of 406 wedge-tailed eagles who are native birds um, over a span of two years. And it was some people, I assume it was for some um, farming you know, industry or business, and they were deliberately poisoning dead animal carcasses so that the eagles would feed off of them and get poisoned. And there was a huge uproar, including from Labor ministers at, at the state level, saying that this is this is horrible, this shouldn't happen because these are native wildlife mm. and, you know, hundreds of eagles have died and that's and there should be a lot of punishment. They were, they, were, they were looking to try and prosecute them. And they found that the Wildlife Act didn't have enough teeth in it, basically. Like, it wasn't strong mm. enough to be able to prosecute them the way that they wanted to. And so now it's up for review, which is, is good. But it's also interesting how the same government is allowing duck shooting to happen every year, which is seven native duck species that are allowed to be killed this mm. year. Normally, it's eight native duck species. And every year is at least 60,000 ducks or more that are killed. Mm. So it's 
It's a glaring hypocrisy. I'm not sure why we care about eagles so much more than ducks. Yeah. Um, to that extent as well, 400 versus 60,000. Yeah. Yeah. And not only is it considered not a problem, it's encouraged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ducks just don't have the same charismatic status as, as eagles have. Yeah, yeah. It's but on a, the good side of it, with the um, with the act being up for review, we're going to put a link in our show notes about that. So submissions are open until I think it's the end of this month, and um, but we'll have yeah the links in the in the bottom of the show notes that we'll put up today, and you can have your say on the Victorian Wildlife Act. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, yeah, speaking of duck shooting, uh, duck shooting season has been ongoing since May 26. So mm. um, since May 26, um, people can recreati- recreatively shoot birds for 20 days. Um, yeah, the Coalition Against Duck Shooting has been present in the area, of course, to disrupt and document uh, the shootings and to... Um, yeah, and to tend to the birds that who have been shot. Um, and that's one of the things that happens a lot, is that most shooters don't succeed in killing the ducks by bullets. Yeah. And pretty graphic footage, footage that has been released this year is that if they do not succeed in killing them by bullets, um, you see a dog retrieving the, the duck, and the shooter sees the duck is not dead, and he desperately resorts to other acts of cruelty to to um, kill them off. Yeah. So it's very graphic footage, and this has been documented by the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. And a report in the past has also shown that most shooters cannot identify native water, water birds correctly to see which one they can they can be shot. As you said, like there's about seven species that are on the kill list right now. Um, so yeah, there's lots of trouble mm. in there. Yeah, And of course, follow Coalition Against Duck Shooting if you want to at, uh, yeah, find yeah. the petition to ban this practice. And there are other people that do um, duck rescue, duck sabotage sort of work, but CADs are probably the main group that do do quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And moving on to Melbourne other activism. Other forms of activism. Yeah. So um, we thought it'd be interesting to let people know that um, vigils have resumed. I mean, with COVID restrictions and different lockdowns that have been happening for a while, there was a lot of activism that was on hold, and rightfully so. I think that we need to be, um, you know, really understanding of the the dangers of spreading COVID. So um, a lot of a lot of what we do has to be in that context. But um, there has been a few vigils with Pig Save and Cow Save, and so mm-hmm. people unaware um, they can try and keep their eyes open for that. Even get involved um, if you've never been to a vigil. Um, you can always check through the Facebook pages to try and find out about upcoming vigils. So that's the Melbourne Cow Save Facebook and the Melbourne Pig Save Facebook. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, they've had, there've been since January this year, they've managed to conduct two Pig Save vigils at a slaughterhouse and two Cow Save vigils at a slaughterhouse, a different slaughterhouse probably, and also two Cow Save vigils in the city during uh, at a yeah, busy intersection where a lot of transportation trucks with uh, with cows but also sheep and pigs uh, pass through yeah. yeah the city location is easy to get to as well so if people are thinking about going to a vigil for the first time yeah. um, the city one is easy to get to and it also has a lot of walker buys and other traffic whereas yeah. the ones at the slaughterhouse it's pretty much just the animals and the people who work there and the yeah. activists and there's no one else there yeah. so yeah. Um, what have what has what have your experience been with vigils? How, what they're they're pretty confronting, yeah. um, especially the pigs. I find because they they seem to be a lot more aware or vocal about what's happening to them. Um, but yes, yeah, can scream really loud. Yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's not it's not an enjoyable experience yeah. but it is um it's definitely worthwhile i guess seeing what happens with your own eyes and um legitimizing what they go through um so that they do see that i mean that's the whole point yeah. of bearing witnesses so that it's not just they're part of a system that gets ignored yeah. by society you're it's making actually, it visible yeah 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 in a very visceral way sometimes um but yeah also note that vigils you know you don't if you want to be an animal activist or if you are an animal activist you do not have to do vigils like they're for some people for others they're not the right thing because it can be too confronting yes um so yeah it's definitely up to each individual to decide if they think they're up for it or if they should do them repeatedly or even just at all or just on once-off occasions because it can be quite traumatic um a lot of the activists that go there are really 
understanding about that though and they'll they'll be there to, afterwards to try and speak to you and comfort you if you need it but um yeah just to keep in mind that it's it's not something that's easy to do yeah exactly yeah and um, melbourne pick safe is looking for a new lead organizer um so if you're interested in that position yeah look up the melbourne pick safe uh group yeah and learn more about that yeah um then some international activism. Animal Rebellion UK has launched a massive McDonald's campaign. Um, they target McDonald's over concerns for animal ex- exploitation, of course, but also worker exploitation, Amazon de- deforestation, the climate crisis, and future, you know, the the potential for future pandemics. So, mm. with all these concerns, they bring they bring to McDonald's. They conduct weekly sit-ins at restaurants and they invite others to organize these sit-ins as well. They have blocked McDonald's distribution centers and they continue to do this. Their aim is to continue to do this until they can speak to their um, CEO. And um, one of their demands, actually their main demand is that McDonald's shifts to a completely plant-based menu by 2025. Yeah. Yeah. So this is huge. This has been making the news as well all over the world. Yeah. It's a really bold step by Animal Rebellion. And I think it's great, like, targeting McDonald's. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and Harley of Animal Rebellion UK, UK is a uh, freedom of species contributor. So, uh, yeah, we're expecting and looking forward to more detail about these actions uh, in, in future, any future show. Yeah, it'd yeah. be fantastic. Yeah. She did a couple of shows over the last month, actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, hopefully so, we hear more from her about this. Yeah, great. Shall we... Uh, Go to a song. Go to a song, yeah. So this song is from a local artist called Ruby Gill. And some people might know of her. She was the singer at the Dominion Animal Rights March back mm. in 2018 who sang the song that was on the um, the promo, I guess, trailer for Dominion. Um, but this is one of her songs from last year. It's called Borderlines. Wanna 
just wanna go home. Thanks, Victoria. Your hard work means restrictions in metropolitan Melbourne are easing. To stay safe, remember, always check in when you're out. No visitors to your home. Limit outdoor gatherings to 10 people. Stay within 25 kilometres of home unless it's for work, study, care or caregiving or getting vaccinated. Wear a fitted face mask indoors and outdoors. Get vaccinated as soon as you're eligible. And if you experience any symptoms, get tested. For the latest updates, go to coronavirus.vic.gov.au. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs fly on the road and I had like this fist with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. Hello listeners, welcome back to Freedom of Species. You just heard Ruby Gill with her song Borderlines. Uh, today, Trev and I are covering current events in our news show. So, yeah, what else has happened in the uh, in the animal advocacy world? One of them is um, one, one thing that kept vegans um, busy on Facebook by sharing this ad that um, <laughs> Greta Thunberg has, uh, has uh, put forward in cooperation with Mercy for Animals. So Greta, the renowned climate activist, she brought out an advertisement in which she states that our relationship with nature is messed up. And that we should do something to connect the dots between the climate crisis, ecological crisis and the health crisis. And what I found interesting is that she doesn't specifically mention going vegan, but, you know, she Mm -hmm. asks the advertisement asks the question, you know, what will you do? And those with the most power have the most responsibility. So what are the choices available to you? And for me, that was definitely um, going vegan as one of the many choices that I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting that because... She is vegan and she's been outspoken about being vegan in the past, but very selectively. So she's not a um, you know, she she's not all the time mentioning that she's vegan, but it's not that she shies away from it or mm-hmm. hides it. So it's a really interesting thing that she didn't mention that. Yeah, well, it's it's there. It's I think the ad even says this is a plant based um, mm. video. <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly, but it's there. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's cool that she. I think it's important to emphasize the choices available to you because uh, people always say oh uh, people who are poor cannot become vegan because all those mock meats are so um, expensive um, well one that sort of disregards the notion that a vegetarian or a vegan diet has consistently been the most cheap they yeah, had the cheapest diet available and two what are your choices you know these these are individual choices that you have mm. to make yeah um, i think yeah. it's interesting how you mentioned like that difference between plant-based and vegan um, mm. One of the things we were going to bring up, which I think is a good time to bring it up now, is a recent study that came out looking at so-called differences between children who have vegan diets, vegetarian diets or omnivore diets. And one of the things that really stood out, other than the way that the media really latched onto it as an anti-vegan campaign to say that kids can be shorter if they're vegan and mm. they can also have less bone density, um, mm. is that there was only... Well, firstly, there was only 187 children included in the whole study. That was into the three groups of vegan, vegetarian and omnivore. But the definitions of what made someone vegan or vegetarian or omnivore were really strange. Mm. We'll put a link to the actual study in our notes. But it it did say that if someone consumed less than or 5% or less of dairy and egg products in their diet, they were still considered vegan. Um, it for vegetarians, if they had um, animal flesh less than once a month, they were still considered vegetarian. 
And for someone to be considered omnivore, they had to eat animal flesh at least once a week. So it's really strange how they're, I guess, in mm. the same way, like the difference between what's plant-based or what's vegan. And this study was originally looking at plant-based health issues on children. And they're using these categories of vegan, vegetarian and omnivore. Mm. And I'm not sure if they're really lining up with what they're, they're... I mean, I know that they have to allow for some errors or some, you know, deviation with, with what's considered... You know, they have to put people in groups in some yeah. way. Yeah. But I think that's really interesting that most of the people who recommend um, healthy diets aren't really recommending people eat enormous amounts of animal products anyway. So the people that fit in the vegetarian category, even though they aren't vegetarian... Mm. It's they're probably closer to omnivore, but it, that and that that yeah. will skew the results, which is really strange. So yeah, there might be some overlap in, in definitions, and that may yeah might yeah. lead to biased results. Yeah. So just be careful when you're looking at you know news articles and the way that media responds to these things, because when you dig into the actual studies that are behind them, you might find these inconsistencies that can really make a big difference on what the data is mm. actually saying. Yeah. And on that note, it's also worth noting that they ignored all of the positive findings for the vegetarian and vegan groups in the, the media analysis. The, the report itself goes in to say that there was a number of health benefits for the vegan children and the vegetarian children, mm. um, but they were pretty much ignored by the, the headlines of vegan children yeah. shorter. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have that. We can't have our children be shorter. No. Yeah. So moral of the story, always go back to the nuanced this study that's at the basis of all this media outbreak yeah yeah and speaking about vegan products the next one we're going to speak about is the israeli bds campaign um now over the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of media attention um with the situation in palestine and with the israeli defense force um that were continuing attacks in Gaza especially and there's been a lot of media attention on what's been happening in Gaza BDS is boycott divestment and sanctions it's an ongoing Palestinian rights campaign to try and weaken Israel's ongoing colon, colon, colonization and and mm -hmm. occupation of, of Palestinian land and I wanted to bring it up because there is some crossover, I guess, with um, especially often people point to Israel as being a vegan mecca or like a vegan, you know, sanctuary of the world. Like there's so many people who are vegan compared to in other countries in Israel and mm. there's lots of vegan options. And I think recently they uh, released the news that Israel is the first country to ban fur sales. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it has definitely this image. Of I remember there's also been news reports in the past how Israel Defense Forces use vegan leather boots. And mm. there's this vegan washing about like so-called like greenwashing and vegan washing to mm. try and make make it make the make it out that Israeli defense forces and Israeli's government is can do no wrong because they are on a moral high ground because of, of their increased vegan percentage of people. I mean, it's not even that they're vegan. Like Israel mm. as a country is not vegan. Um, Israelis as a population aren't vegan, but they have slightly higher rates than some other areas and they use that to vegan wash. Anyway, the main point that that relates to is that in the BDS campaign, beware that there are some vegan products that are on the BDS list. So, for example, Ahava Cosmetics is a vegan and cruelty-free brand, yet they are on the BDS list to boycott because of their involvement with Israeli business. Um, same with Sabra Hummus. They have pretty much all vegan products. Um, Soda Stream is on the list and they do have some vegan options. Um, Pillsbury Food Products, some of them are accidentally vegan. And Israeli Dates as well are on the Australian list to boycott, um, obviously dates being a type of fruit. So yeah, just keep in mind that something, just because it's vegan, and we, we did, we've covered this in previous shows, but just because something's vegan doesn't mean it's ethical. Mm, yeah. And We'd really encourage all our listeners to learn a bit more about boycott, divestment and sanctions. And we'll put some links in our show notes about that one. But um, other than the purchasing decisions, there's also a call out to boycott Elbert Systems, who are based, well, not based, but they do have an office in Port Melbourne that does do testing of battle-tested weapons and manufacture and shipment over to Israel. Um there's been some protests at that site in Port Melbourne a few times over the years. So 
it's a bit scary knowing what's happening in our backyard and where those weapons are going. Um, AXA Insurance is another one on the list. HP, so Hewlett Packard Computer Products, and Puma Sporting Goods, mm. just to keep people aware of yeah what's on the BDS list. Yeah, and yeah, keeping the scope international, uh, we wanted to discuss some international legislation that has come out um, in the past weeks. Uh, for example, New Zealand's upcoming ban on live export. So New, New Zealand has announced to ban live export. Um, while facing it out over the next two years. They announced this in April this year. Um, Safe for Animals New Zealand had already brought out a petition with 30,000 signatures in 2019 to ban this practice. And Safe for Animals New Zealand has also started a petition to ban this practice immediately, saying that two years is too long to face it out. Mm. Um, We've seen images of live export ships being stranded on seas in um, horrible conditions, not being allowed into countries with the, with the animals on the ships, dying, starving, diseased, um, yeah. all terrible. One thing that's remarkable is that New Zealand already didn't export for slaughter. So all the ships that have been going out for New Ze- from New Zealand to other countries with live animals have been used for breeding purposes. That's really interesting. Yeah, so slaughter um, has um, not been done Exporting for slaughter has not been announced in 2008, if right. I'm correct, yeah. Wow. Um, which is unlike Australia, because Australia exports, is also a big life exporting country. And is Australia mostly for slaughter? It's slaughter breeding? and breeding. I don't know the, the proportions. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, New Zealand already did an export for slaughter, unlike Australia. Um, and it's also, the life exports are also a very small part of the uh, revenues of the, of the sector. So, yeah. That's um, something to keep in mind. It's a win. I think it's still a win. Um, we have very little wins in, in <laughs> animal activist land. But um, what what uh, yeah what does it give us? Is this a win for the animals specifically? It's a bit up in the air. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, still, the Australian Agriculture Minister David Littleproud has no plans to ban or suspend live exports. And um, yeah. There has been other sentient, there has been other legislation in the um, brought out in the world by the UK, um, who have uh, brought out a new law that animals are to be formally recognised as sentient sentient beings, and that policies now need to consider their capacity, the animals' capacity, to feel pain, joy, and fear, among other things. It's interesting. Like, should that be considered a win, or should it can be considered should it be considered really sad and depressing that it takes till 2021 for that to become legally recognized yeah something that you can immediately see if you interact with animals it's very uh, yeah. very obvious yeah um well some wins are that new bills follow from this bill um such as a halt on some forms of, of their forms of life export and bans on ivory and shark fins and um, potentially foie gras uh, in my perfect french of course <laughs> And it's also become it will also become legal to have primates as pests. As legal pe- or illegal? Illegal. It's, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Illegal. It'll become illegal to have primates as pets, uh, which is weird that it hasn't been illegal yet. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, something that I found remarkable in one of their in one of the articles that mentioned this is that the um, Secretary of Environment George Eustace in the UK said, "We are a nation of animal lovers. That's why we have this bill." And uh, that's such a, it's such a loaded term, animal. Mm. We love animals. You have in, in the movie Akia, uh, which is a, I found a very funny satirical uh, movie. Anyway, you see Jake Gyllenhaal say, oh yeah, I am an animal lover before he um, uh, mistreats Akia, which, who is a, a big pig. So yeah, that's sort of, yeah, when people say I am an animal lover, I'll, you know, alarm bells will go off in my yeah. head again. Yeah. Okay, so what does this mean exactly? So you're not going to have um you're not going to have shark fin soup, but you are still using cages for birds and um and pigs in the industry. You're still eating meats. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. It also I know it's not quite on top, but in the same way, it's re- how recently the coalition liberal government nationally here in Australia has been coming under fire for their policies and treatment of women um, and what's been happening within Parliament. And you had Scott Morrison standing up at press conferences saying, I'm, you know, I, I love women. Women are the, 
you know, a huge part of my life. Women, women in my world, um, and in the same way, it's like you, you see yeah. that, and, and when when people have to resort to that sort of defense, yeah. and when they use it as just, it's like, yeah. oh, my best friend is black, or my best friend yeah, is gay, exactly. Or like, my wife is a woman. I, yeah, I, <laughs> my wife, yeah. I have women around me. <laughs> Doesn't this pass me the test? You know, yes. <laughs> It's definitely uh, interesting, yeah, when people say it's this re- real sense of ownership that comes with it. And something that I also had to think of with this um, legislation of New Zealand on, with the ban on live export, you know, they, wa- um, they want to say, oh, yeah, um, the idea of New Zealand cows being mistreated on foreign farms, that was one of the concerns because other countries don't adhere to the same animal welfare laws as New Zealand does. Um, it's also this sense of ownership, like our Australian, New Zealand cows being mistreated on farms. Only we get to mistreat them, you know. Yeah. That's um, so. It's such an ownership ideal. Um, we love them, but we have the right to mistreat them. Yeah. So whenever, yeah, whenever people say these things, like "Oh, I love women," or uh, "We're our animal lovers," you you'll bound to hear something worse coming after it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's so easy to see through, I guess, in our own sort of social like climate these days to see through those statements when they're related to sexism or racism. But when it's with like animal exploitation, it still sort of flies under the radar. So people Mm. saying these comments like I'm an animal lover, you know, people don't think twice, like the the majority of people don't think twice. They Mm. just take it at face value and move on. And Maybe that's why people like Scott Morrison still try and use those phrases because yeah. with those other issues, they're so much behind the eight ball and they're thinking, I'm not up to speed on sexism and racism things. So I'll just say, yeah, I've, my wife's a woman. Of course I love women. That's my excuse. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, something that um, from the European Union um, that has sparked interest lately is that the uh, EU has rejected the Dairy Ward Censor Bill on plant-based products. To to give some context, there has been a legal battle in the EU over terms to describe plant-based products. Already, there oh, is this like, are they allowed to call soy milk milk, or do they have to call yeah. it soy drink or you soy have to, juice or something? Exactly, you cannot call soy milk milk. You have to, or um, you cannot say soy cheese. Um, so there's already a ban on those sort of dairy words for vegan products. Um, but an, an amendment to this act wanted to go even further by limiting the use of creamy as adjectives or wow. yogurt style products um, for vegan products. And um, they also tried to ban using similar packaging styles of their non-vegan counterparts. So it was going on like really... Um, they wanted to go further and further in what, what could be used. Um, but this had amendment has now been dropped and that was considered as a win by some of in the vegan movement. <laughs> People shared it, were happy. And I thought, oh, why do we need to waste our time over, <laughs> over this? Yeah. Seriously. Um, it's is, good. Yeah. And I was going to say, is that really a case of, because I'm assuming, like maybe I haven't looked into it enough, but um, the main defense of these animal product businesses is that they think that um, people are going to get confused with the different labels. And so they want it to be clearer and they want to ban certain things so that it's going to be clearer. But if someone says that there's creamy coconut milk or creamy soy drink, do they really think that the, <laughs> the word creamy is going to make it people confused as to what the ingredients are in the package? Yeah. I, I, I don't think so. Like, I feel like this is, as you say, it's gone way too far and it's gone, it's just become an a vehicle for the industry to try and drive out competition mm. and to protect their own profits and protect their own sales. Mm. And they're just doing whatever they can, hijacking off this fear of confusion to to, to take away any sort of opportunities or or marketing leverage that, that mm. vegan products might have or plant-based products might have. Exactly. And it's also quite a, um, you know, they... This amendment to the act was sort of like a threat, you know. We were going to do this. Now we're not going to do it anymore. Mm. So now we're all supposed to be happy. That's <laughs> that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And lastly for this segment, we're trying to get through as much as we can for everyone. But um, people might have heard that there was a deer that was spotted in Fitzroy and Kew. And it made some headlines. Mm. Uh, it was pretty sad because um, they were euthanized. But um, I, I found it really shocking that most of the headlines mentioned that 
The animal, the deer, was euthanized after being assessed by vets. Now, it doesn't seem like there was any actual assessment by vets because they said that the animal would be too difficult to sedate. So I don't know what real assessment they did other than assessing that they were a non-native species and that they are illegal to rehome, neither mm. of which requires a vet to to assess that. And then they decided that they were not worth giving any respect or consideration and they would just kill them. Yeah. So um, it's, it's sad. It's yeah. really sad. But it's also, I guess, to keep in mind how, how the media can spin certain phrasing and articles mm. to say, you know, that euthanize after being assessed by vets, that phrase has so much... Um, you know, legitimacy behind it. Mm-hmm. Like it implies that they've done the right thing. They've gotten vets who are experts and they've said, no, euthanasia is the right yeah. option. Whereas really that's just been because it was going to be too hard to rehome them and too hard to sedate them. Yeah. Nothing about the animal's best interest at all. Yeah. Sorry to went on a really sad note for that one. But speaking of deers, the next song is from a band called Deer Stalker. Not the animal kind deer, but this is more the writing a letter deer. So <laughs> this is a local band. Um, they're not around anymore, but um, yeah, they made some great stuff. And this one is called Back for a Beating. Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. Because you must get down on the ground, you know, with the real issues that everyone faces these days. You know, it's a proper community radio station where, you know, people like us are given a voice and an avenue to be heard. 
you know, to promote the issues that we're all going through right across the country, you know. So use mob hit home right around Australia, you know, not just locally in Melbourne. And there's been a lot of issues that we've been able to get out to the East Coast because of use mob. You know, because our mob, in order for us to move forward, we need to support each other on a national level because the issues that we face are common right across the country, but they're just specific to each area, but they're still common issues that we face because of the ongoing genocide that continues towards our people, you know? 3CR Radiothon, community-powered radio. To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. In DigiTube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming, download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. Hi everyone, welcome back to Freedom of Species at 3CR Radical Radio. Uh, we're broadcasting live from Melbourne and you just heard the song Back for a Beating by the band Dear Stalker. Uh, I'm here with Trev and we ha- are doing a news show. So for the last segment of our show, we want to talk a bit about culture and media and animal attention in culture and media. And we're going to have some spoiler alerts for my octopus teacher and Gunda. So one of the biggest things that, well, a big thing that has happened is that my octopus teacher is a South African docu- documentary who has that has won a Oscar this year for best documentary. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's about you know a, a man who builds a relationship with an octopus, um, and it's really cool to see such interest in intimate attention for an animal who we often do not see or value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, you see the octopus and the man sort of becoming used to each other. And on the water, the man he is doing, he is um, diving without uh, an oxy- oxygen tank. So it's quite that's quite cool. And he's in this kelp forest, amazing scenery, of course. Um, yeah, some criticisms that we have is that my octopus teacher is a lot about the um, the human perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that really seemed to be very evident when we were watching it. I thought it just was all about him and his experience, and yeah, it was a little bit of a, a shame, I guess, because it's for a documentary about an octopus. It was actually seemed more like a documentary on how how to prevent burnout or how to overcome burnout, <laughs> and how his life changed because of an octopus. So it was more about his life rather than the octopus's mm. life. It just happen to sort of parallel that but um i mean having said that it was it was really great to see some glimpses of of how octopuses live and um yeah what they do yeah Yeah, how they move around what they do with shells to to hide them from predators it's uh it's really cool and people always uh, people always cry anthropomorphism when they in um when they when you see how we ascribe human characteristics to non-human animals but yeah come on yeah it was um it's good to see it was nice to see like beautiful imagery as well so i mean it's definitely i think a a positive that it won the oscar um i think that it's just that difference between looking at things through a vegan or animal liberation lens versus Mm. the current you know predominant view of the world yeah and it's really evident yeah yeah but um to i guess contrast that Mm, exactly yeah because um another movie that came out is gunda and we want to highlight that here as well because gunda is completely the opposite of my octopus teacher in approach to the animal um almost in every way as well yeah it's black and white instead of vivid color yeah there's no narration there's no music there's no human intervention and it's in yeah as Trev said, in black and white. So Gunda is a very intimate story of a big race for breeding purposes at an organic farm in Oslo. And um, so, you know, organic farm outside Oslo, lots of space. It looks nice and comfy in her straw barn. Um, but yeah, there's a heartbreaking loss at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's. I came out of that movie quite empty, feeling quite empty and not really... 
yeah not even in awe of all that i've just seen definitely mm. it was quite yeah yeah but one of the good things is that you know you you see gunda because of there's no narration no music no human intervention um they really let Gunda speak for herself just by following her around while she goes around walking with her piglets. Um, she's doing her own thing. Um, mm. We even learn things that surprise us about pigs, namely how they can kill some of their own piglets to uh, if they maybe have not a chance at life or for whatever reason they have. So it's it's a very surprising movie as well. Um, and yeah, also beautiful shots. Um but um, yeah, very sad. It is, and yeah, um, draining as well. The whole time I was watching it, um, it did leave me feeling really unsettled. Um, like as you said, like I, I didn't know that much about the movie before I watched it, and mm-hmm. as I was watching it, it just, in a way, it just felt so like voyeuristic and almost intrusive as to mm-hmm. like looking into the life of an individual in that way. And I kept thinking, if this was if this was a human, if this was a human who was, you know, in in jail somewhere or in some awful situation and the documentary was just watching what happens to them, not not acted out, but in real, like what happens to their real life, it would be mm-hmm. such a sad, like just shocking, you know, portrayal. And I'm hoping that that's the, the way that people take Gunda, but, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like we already are vegan, so we don't, and there's... You can make the choice not to, even with organic meats, um, it's still pretty heartbreaking what you see. Mm. Um, but it doesn't have a, uh, a power, it doesn't have an explicit vegan message. As we said, there's no human message at all. Like you sort of have to decide for yourself what is the message. Yeah. Um, I think even the, the the filmmaker, he he didn't want it to be vegan propaganda. Um, although you can definitely take it as such. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so. the other thing, or well, the last thing on it, is that um, we both thought a, a positive of Gunda was that mm. it's able to get a really strong message across without using graphic footage. Exactly. And that's been a really contentious issue amongst animal activists and in the animal liberation community is, is does graphic footage play a role? If so, how important is it? Do we need to rely on it as a crutch? Or can we do yeah. the same things and get the same outcomes without having to traumatize people with graphic footage? Yeah. Exactly. That's that's I think the best thing about Gunda. Mm. Yeah. And quickly, we just want to mention that we're not forgetting Seaspiracy, but there was a show on the 18th of April with Adam and Caroline here on Freedom of Species, and they had Bronwyn, the guest from Melbourne Fish Save. So if you want to hear about Seaspiracy more, please listen to that show. Yeah, because uh, we're gonna wrap up already with uh, with our show today, and we just want to quickly uh, yeah announce that. Next week is our Radiothon show. So you might have heard already from the 3CR channels that Radiothon is uh, a big effort to raise lots of money so radio, so 3CR can uh, stay on air for another year. So this year we need to raise, the whole station of community-powered radical radio needs to raise $250,000 to stay on air for another year. And we have our own, we have our own, as Freedom of Species, we have our own subset, you know, our target, own target to, to get in that. So we are going to raise 1650 We are going to, yeah, dollars. That's it. We're yeah. going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to try to raise. Please 16. help us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Yes, please help us make yeah. the target. So we'll be doing an online okay campaign. Our Give Now crowd, um, crowdfunding page is live. Uh, we'll add the link on our social media. We'll add it in the description. You can pledge, pledge donations by directly, um, yeah, directly donating via the live, uh, via the website, or also um, calling into our live show next week, which is going to be uh, a trivia show where all of the hosts are competing uh, in an animal trivia show. So please donate any bit you can. Um, yeah, we'd also like to quickly mention our survey. Yes, the survey. Yeah. And we not only want your financial inputs for the Radiothon, we want your ideas too, please. How can yes. we best serve you as a community? And uh, what do you think of our shows? What topics would you like to um, uh, see covered? And just let us know. We're always here. We'd love to hear from you. That's it. And even if you want to get in touch for any other reason, 
Freedom Speaks is on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter, which is FOS Radio. Um, use the hashtag FOS3CR if you want to talk about anything that comes up in any of our shows. Um, and you can email freedomofspecies at gmail.com. Um, next up, we're going to have some music for the next hour before um, there's going to be some some queer issues coming on the radio again from three till four. Mm. Um, and our last track before we finish up is by a band called The Super Jesus. They're actually doing some shows for the 20th anniversary of their album Jet Age. And um, the track we're going to play isn't from Jet Age, but um, the shows are coming up in October. Um, they're playing locally at the Corner Hotel and they're playing in other states as well. But um, this song is from their first album and this one's called Milk. We're thinking they mean soy milk yeah. or oat milk or something like that. <laughs>
been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.